Welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Zwift is the app that turns indoor training into a game. With structured workouts, training plans and massive online group rides to make your training fun. Because fun is results. Fun is fast. Go to Zwift.com and start your free trial. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, before we start, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or log a ride with our friend at Zwift. Uh, joining me, it's, of course, Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? Well, g'day, Christoph, and you know what? I was good. I was good. <laughs> but as soon as I emptied the confines of the closed-off studio here, you were spraying the Glen 20, so... You've got to spray it. We've got to have a laugh, so please take this in the right manner to all our listeners. If coronavirus doesn't get me, the Glen 20 will. <laughs> or that you is, will. That like, is like a cloud oh of my God. Glen 20. I, you know, I, I'm all for disinfecting, all that sort of stuff. But, jeez, I mean, I, I feel like I smell good. And yeah. I, I feel like I'm getting slightly high, actually. But so. maybe there's a hint. It might not just be the... <laughs> exactly. There might be a little smell. Uh, First of all, listen to this. That's the sound of silence. Cycling is silent around the world. What do you make of this? It's crazy. It, look, it's it's unprecedented, isn't it? I mean, I'm, uh, all the descriptive words we can use, everyone knows. So we're not telling you, the listeners, anything you don't know. It's, it's unbelievable, actually, what's unfolded, hasn't it? And a week ago, it was different. We didn't think it would be that bad. Three days ago, we didn't think it would be that yeah. bad. And suddenly, within the last 24 hours, in fact, less than that, Tour of Flanders, Paris Bay have been postponed, I guess we'll say not cancelled yet fully. Yeah, the um, as well. Yeah, all of the all of the spring classics, which we all expected it. Mm. You and I expected that, didn't we? And it was it was sort of the writing was on the wall. The la- the one really that hasn't been postponed yet is of course the granddaddy, the Tour de France and I don't We have hold- our theories of this. We do. We've and I mean we've been discussing it, haven't we, online and on our on our WhatsApp that uh, SPS group. So we have a, we have about uh, I think there's like eight or ten of us. So eight of us. We have different. Uh, I think we probably have eight different theories. Mm. But before we go into this, there has been some cycling. So let's concentrate a little bit on this first. Yes. Yes. Uh, Paris Nice, which was on SBS. Uh, let's listen to the winner, Shackman. It was uh, very very hard. Um, yes, I think you saw that uh, Patrick and uh, Schwarzi and also Felix. They did a great job. I mean, they controlled the race with like, with three. And for me, it was a really, the last three kilometers, I want to be honest, it was a walk through the hell, a walk through the world of pain. But right now it's like being in heaven. So it works with every, every little pain in my legs. What does it re- represent for you to win a legendary race like, like Paris-Nice? It's still, okay, it's already, already the fourth year of my career, but it's the biggest success so far. And one of the most important steps. It feels so great because uh, my whole life people were doubting I can be a GC rider, but it was always my dream. And now I'm here and I won the first and one of the most prestigious one-week stage races. What a victory for from the Bora rider. Uh, also, worth mentioning, we'll talk about in a sec, uh, Quintana as well, done really well in that in that tour. But uh, Shackman, like he says in his grab, people never thought he would be a Grand Tour winner. He's in his fourth season and he won the Grand Tour. And it's not 
a mini Grand Tour because it could be one of the biggest win of the of the season, it, depending on what's happening next it, uh, in the whole of the year. It could be. He could have just won the biggest tour of the year. Yeah, Paris Nice is a, quite a big <laughs> tour, by the way. Let's let's not. You know, in the context though of what's unfolding, and rider of the season, by the way, so could far. be Nadal Quintana. Absolutely, uh, Arkea can be the team of the season. <laughs> <laughs> they, they could win the teams class yeah. for 2020. Who would have thought that? Yeah, exactly, insane. It's yeah. Look, it, it, it's completely crazy what's unfolded. But um, yeah, look, if, when you go down the list of some of the riders in that um, Paris Nice, Shackman, of course, Tish Benut, second overall. Uh, Sergio uh, Higuita, uh, the, yep. the little Colombian who won the stage in the Vuelta last year. Vincenzo Nibali, fourth. He's, he is literally a good wine, isn't he? He just keeps getting better, yep. uh, Nibali. And Pino, great to see Pino back. He was fifth overall. So great to see him back post that disastrous a, Tour de France in the end. Yeah, what about Richie? Because uh, we saw him, you know, we, we saw a bit of flamboyance through some of the stages. Yeah. Uh, it seemed that he helped Nibali well, he a did. fair bit as well. Yes, and he did say that. And look, I think I think the race, let's be fair, to, and to be fair to all of the riders, probably their heads weren't in the space um, as the race kept evolving and riders and teams were pulling out. But Richie did so, show some form and um, he, he did say from the very beginning he was there to help Nibali. And I think... That's the way it's going because Nibali then was going to do the Giro. The Giro's now been cancelled and we thought, oh, Nibali will go to the tour. Postponed. Postponed, postponed you're right. Postponed. postponed. Yeah, not fully cancelled. So, but no, look, Richie looked good and we'll move, when we get to the topic of what may or may not happen with the Tour de France, this could actually be a good thing for Richie Port, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a moment. Okay, so stay tuned, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if we just concentrate on this Paris-Nice, we know the, the Tour de France is hypothetically starting from Nice. Uh, so it's a nice little Paris-Nice-Nice-Paris, mm-hmm. and maybe not that many races in between. Yeah. you know. In terms of the, the race itself, halfway through or at some point in the race, uh, the French authorities said no more crowds. Around and we know Matthew Kinnan was quite vocal in in social media saying this is weird. Yeah, uh, I'm the only one at the finish line. Well, we saw his post, didn't we? It yeah. was uh, on the finish line, and he does plenty of daily updates, uh, previews, I guess, doesn't he? When can, can you yourself imagine this? Uh, a finish of a cycling race. Mm. With no one around. Well, and I'm not talking a, like UAE level or yes. Oman or you know all these tours where there's not that much. For fun. the yeah, for the riders, it look it wouldn't feel. Massive. It would feel a bit different, but all of those riders have experienced small amateur level races where they turn up and there's no one there. So a little bit like you'd feel like you're going back to your roots. There's no media coverage or there's very little. So there's no swarms of press. Um, You know, the protocol at the finish line is there isn't one. You cross the line, you just sort of, there's no crowds, there's no, Mm -hmm. you know, crowd control, no security. So it would just feel like a small amateur bike race. That's probably the only thing. So the hype and euphoric sort of moments that you get as an athlete, there'd be less of that. Um, do you need this as an athlete? Because, oh, it helps. You, yeah, it definitely yeah. helps. Absolutely. Um, yeah, t- totally helps. I think we all know that. And So someone like Schachtman yeah. winning the Paris-Nice, you know, it's great. First first massive victory for him. And all he gets is an accolade from his team. Not even yeah. an accolade. They, they congratulated him from 1.5 meters away from yes, him. Yes, yes. Uh, thumbs up. You yeah. Know, is, there, is there a bit of a bitter taste, do you think, somewhere? Or still, you got the win, you got the win? You got the win, you got the win. You know, look, probably un- unfortunately for him, and I'll even admit to this as well, my mind wasn't focused on watching Paris-Nice. You know, I kept up with it. But my mind wasn't mm-hmm. 
and probably a lot of people's, a lot of cycling fans, because we were just sort of like, we were watching what was unfolding around us. So unfortunately for him, and even the stage winners, you know, again, I couldn't tell you every stage winner. Yep. I couldn't, of the seven. I know Quintana won the final stage. Um, so, uh, Shackman uh, as well, I think. <laughs> What's that? I said, uh, uh, I was going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the unfortunate thing for them, that they don't get to enjoy it and don't get, they won't get the accolades that they deserve if it was any other year. So, you know, it, but it is what it is, isn't it? Absolutely. And then we also have to have a big thought about uh, all our freelancer friends. You and I know a lot of those freelancers yeah. uh, that do this tour, do those runs. And then now the sports have stopped. Uh, and we're just going to focus on cycling, but it's true for tennis, it's true for football, for every other sport. And this is why sport as a overall is actually massively impacted because the economics around. Yeah. And, and all these guys... They're just sitting home now. They've got nowhere to go, nothing to to, to talk about. Yes. Radio programs like ours on, on the French program or I know back in France, they even cancel the sports segment because there's nothing to talk about. That's how dire it is. Yes. And, and look, and I think, again, we'll preface it as well, and I know you agree with me on this, is that it's everyone, isn't it? It's not just sport. So, yeah, it's pretty tough. I'm a, I'm a freelancer. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate. I've had a good run with SBS and other jobs I do throughout the year, but that is going to dry up. But I'm also really aware that there are a lot of people suffering out there. So I guess through this podcast and hopefully more to come, we'll provide light entertainment. We're not pretending there's not an issue going on Absolutely. everywhere around the world, are we? But Hopefully this is an escapism for all of you listening and we'll try and have a bit of fun as well because I, us, I think actually, we all need it. Yeah, and tell us if it is an escapism, if you want us to yeah. keep uh, keep podding, keep uh, podcasting and yeah. keeping... We'll like come a- up with something. Yeah. We will think of something to talk about. <laughs> Put marbles in my mouth and I'll I'll still manage I'm to... I'm sure um, we'll have a few beers. Yeah, uh, we debate. certainly will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about, uh, the actually, around this subject, the role of the UCI. You know, mm-hmm. UCI, it seems that there is a, and we've been debating this for quite a long time, the, organi- the, the race organizers, the RCS, the ASO, and the UCI don't really seem to sort of work together, or are they? Or are they all sort of, you know, waiting for the other one to make the first move so that they can default back to this move? Yeah, I think that's a good question and discussion because what was it, a bit, of a, a bit over a week ago, I think UCI was sort of, Late in making making uh, the ruling that you know all races are sort of cancelled uh, effective immediately until further notice, and they cop some criticism. And look, I probably would have criticised them as well. But then, in hindsight, now I look back, and I think if we all just sort of take a step outside this bubble that we're all in, you know, whether it be a sporting bubble, a, a, a corporate bubble, whatever, suddenly when you take a step outside and say, actually, no one knows, and no one knew, no one knew a week ago what we know today. No one knew two weeks ago what they what they were going to find out four days later. So I think in some ways, actually, we've got to cut the UCI some slack. We've got to cut ASO some slack. We've got to cut the Giro d'Italia some slack. And actually, the Giro d'Italia, probably, if anything, I thought they might have been, may, may have been last to announce that the race was postponed. They were the first. So yeah, you know what? They were, they were sort of, of the first one on the calendar, though, because they had, they had a few classics coming up as well. True. Yeah, that, yeah, true. They had, they did have Milan San Remo, Torino Adriatico. Um, but I guess, and in, I guess to be fair, as we all know, their country's been hit mm-hmm. massively. So I think they had to act swiftly, and credit to them, they did. But I think everyone, any organisation at the moment, deserves a 
to be kept kept a, a little bit of leeway because I think no one knows it's an evolving situation. So the race program, you know, what what the big question is, I guess, and leads us on to our next discussion is if things get back to some sort of normality, then how do all these races try and fit in for the remainder of the 2020 season? So, you see, that's where I think it will go back to normality. Like uh, they, they were saying, I was watching French TV the, yesterday, actually. They were saying it's not a case of, are we going to win this war? You know, we will win this war against the virus. Mm-hmm. It's just how long does it take? Yeah. Uh, but how far do you go into the season before you just void the whole season? And try instead of trying to catch up and juggling the calendar, we know Roubaix, it's most likely, and all those classics are most likely to be moved towards the end of the calendar. But what does that mean for the world? What does that mean for other races that are there? Yes. You know, what, what, who want to uh, hold their position? Exactly. Yeah. And, and how, how much do you want to hang on to something that is inevitably changed and void and it will, it will make 2020 a different season anyway? Yeah. It's, and you know what? I mean, this is, this, look, this will sound really biased, I guess. And in some ways, well, I don't think it From is. From you? No. no. <laughs> but, it, it's, but I think the Tour de France, if there is one race that can happen for the year, I think it needs to be the Tour de France. And look, this that, that isn't – I'm not saying that for me to be go, oh, cool, I'll have my job for three weeks of July or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or Well, it won't, I don't think it'll be in July. Mm-hmm. I'll okay. say that up front. But so I I'm think, just going to say this here. Yeah. And – I know someone that knows someone that knows someone. <laughs> no, actually, I know someone. No, that, oh, is this your other best mate? <laughs> it's my other best mate. Yeah, I, yeah. I know someone that is uh, very well involved at ASO and very relatively high level at ASO. Uh, and question I've asked him yesterday, mate, give me from one to ten, what are the chances to be in Nice in June? Answer is three. Three out of ten. And I yeah. said, oh, three. Good. There's a chance. There, there is a chance. He yeah. said, well. Three and I'm being optimistic. Yeah, so it's yeah. more a two point five. Uh, well, I think it's a zero to one to yeah. be honest. So, but I just think for our sport cycling, but and I think needs, needs to, and I think ASO need to compromise to a degree that maybe they maybe. Oh, but I think well, okay, first off, I just think Tour de France needs to happen if it's safe to happen. So if there is one bike race that can go ahead this year, I think everyone in the world of cycling will agree that Tour de France is the biggest. And I think it would uplift the spirits of the cycling fans. It would give the cycling fans something to focus on. I think it would give the the teams collectively something to focus on. And it's one big race of the year. Yes, it might mean that other events will be put by the wayside or they will have to give up their original slot. Say, say for, say for example, the Vuelta. Let's say the Tour de France and the world is quasi back to normal come late August, September. So then potentially we have to give up the Vuelta, we have to give up other races, we put the Tour de France in. I just think the Tour de France is probably the one race that should happen. I think it'll uplift the spirits, it'll give a focus on our sport, and that's not saying the Tour de France should be the big benefactors. I think there needs to be some leeway where they compensate maybe other parties. So this is, they get get the slot, um, but... It doesn't mean they can suddenly reap the millions from it. This is, you know, this is a. It's going to be a. We're going. To, we're all going. To, we're all going to lose in 2020. And but I think that's the one race that probably should happen. So it's some of the theory we've been having. You know, yeah. one of it being Tour de France uh, taking part in lieu of the of the Vuelta. It's worth remembering that the organizing actually the, the Tour de France and the Vuelta are the same. Yeah. So so that's a possible swap. 
so-called swap. Um, there's also the idea that Tour de France can be brought a bit further along. Remember that it's been brought forward uh, to to enable space for the Olympics. Olympics uh, can't happen, by the exactly. way. Exactly. All you uh, Olympic fans out there and former Olympians and whatever, you know, beating the drum, the IOC... And, and so we're digressing slightly here, but I cannot see how the Olympics can happen when you are bringing in thousands of athletes from around the world competing and then sending them back out. There's also the issue, and again, that's the Olympics and not cycling, but we can talk about it. There's also the issue that not everyone is qualified for the Olympics and a lot of the qualifying events should happen now yeah. and they're not happening now. So who do you bring? Yeah. Because some of those guys are not qualified. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so how do much value do you put? And then Euro football has made a statement to say, yeah. we're moving into 2021. Yeah. You know? So why not move the Olympics to 2021? Yep. But in terms, of, in terms of, you know, moving the Tour de France on, on, a, on a different scale, so August or September and so on, question around the fitness for riders, because we know someone like Froome, we assume someone like Froome is, pinnacle of the 2020 program was the Tour de France. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you shift this and how do you make sure that there is a, a certain competitivity levels that remain because the riders stay fit and how do they stay fit if they don't know when to be fit for? Yeah, that, that is a really good question. And talking with our producer earlier this morning and, and she sort of posed the same question. She said, you know, how do riders get fit? How do they stay fit when they're training indoors? She must have read my notes. As well, yeah. <laughs> and now I I believe, firstly, I believe it will be more about this psycho- the psychological impact on the athletes. There'll negative, be athletes now that will ne- have just thrown the towel Negative or positive? No, negative. negative. Oh, it could be both. Yeah. could be both. There'll be ones that have just thrown the towel in because they, don't, they can't see any future at the moment, not just in their sporting life, but in their general day-to-day life. They, they just can't see past one day at a time. So they'll find it really hard to focus. But the fitness aspect, let's, let's sort of go back the last sort of decade. It's been a real trend for Grand Tour winners or Tour de France winners to actually race minimal days yep. and mostly focus on their training. So guys like Chris Froome, there's a reason he won four Tour de France's. He's super tough mentally and physically. So I don't think he'd have a problem shifting his dates, shifting the goalposts. Someone like Richie Port, look how good he is in January at Tour Down Under. I actually see this as beneficial for Richie. Okay. He, he Now he, it's sort of up in the air. He can sort of just take the foot off the throttle a bit, you know. He can. He was pretty good at, we talked about Paris-Nice. Now he doesn't have to sort of be, he's not sort of focusing on the tours yet. He still is, I guess, until they change the dates potentially. It hasn't happened, I guess. We've got to remind everyone that. But, you know, I think people like Richie Port, he, can, he brings his form up super fast. He's proven that time and time again. This is a bit of a reset the dial for guys like him. But more importantly, I think it's what's going on upstairs in the head. I think that will be the telling factor. There'll be riders that we would think would be good and they'll completely fall over and it'll be purely to do with upstairs, not the training, not the physical aspect. So going to a team like Ineos, Mm. three massive riders, they sort of already planned the year, Thomas in the Giro, potentially from Bernal in the Tour de France and then Paris uh, Bernal for the Vuelta. How do you change this? Uh, because that's that's then well, that's the tricky. I you've think, got three egos in there. And well, Froomey's all... going to the tour. If the tour happens this year, mm-hmm. he deserves the right to go back there, so he will go. You would think Bernal is the defending champion. Even though, the, but even though the two previous champions now could have a bite at it, 
Yes, but they'll they'll go in with the same plan they've had the last few years, okay. where they've had a two three pronged attack or two pronged attack. And they'll, remember, they were going to go to last year's tour with a three pronged attack. It was only because Froomey crashed out at the Dolphin A. Eh? So they will go there. They will potentially go there with their three riders. Um, but the other the other subject which we discussed on our WhatsApp group, and this is a this is a uh, a thing that Matt Keenan and I had discussed in the last couple of years, even uh, I think on air and possibly on one of our podcasts. Now's an opportunity to test a two-week grand tour. Yep. So let's just say in the next two months, things go back to normality, and suddenly we restart the season, and we have to they have to axe a few of the smaller races, but they say, you know what, we can get all the major classics in, and. We can get the Grand Tours in, but they need to be two weeks in each. And that way, everyone gets their bite at the cherry. So the Giro get their opportunity, the Vuelta do, and the Tour. And I say do it. I say make the Grand Tours two weeks long. It's a good, op- it's a good excuse to trial the two-week Grand Tour. So, so think about it, for example, right? Where are we? Let's say April, May, June, July, August. Five months, right? Classics through to almost the end of the Grand Tours. If you suddenly say, okay, September, October, November, no, no, let's go August. (laughs) (laughs) August, September, October, November, December. There you go, five months. Classics and then two-week Grand Tours. Remember, because they're only two weeks, Mm -hmm. the riders can back up and do potentially all three Grand Tours. Yeah. And race them hard. Back to back. Back to back. Yeah, back to back to back. That's an interesting. I think there's a good point as well, though, to talk about with the Tour de France is one of the key point success of the Tour de France is the crowd. Yeah. Uh, you get the crowd because it's the summer holidays in France. Yeah, correct. In, in Europe. Do this in the September. You won't get that much crowd. Uh, uh, do you think ASO can risk running a race that hasn't got that Tour de France atmosphere. There's there's so much around that brand, the Tour de France, that is much more than just guys on yeah. bikes. Well, the other thing, and the other thing you consider as well, I think they have. I think if 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 it's if suddenly we're open for business in the mm-hmm. second half of the year, I think yes, they have to. Short answer. They just forget about what they may or may. They'll lose more if they don't have the race, I suppose. So they'll go ahead with it. The other thing you consider is the weather. Yeah. So the Giro in October. Can't happen. Mm-hmm. The Stelvio will be covered in snow. You would think, or November. I don't know, but you know what I mean. There needs to be this. So you would think they need to switch it all around. Well, the Vuelta it goes late anyway, so the Vuelta has to go much later because Spain weather is obviously better, lasts longer. The the, the summer lasts longer mm-hmm. down south. The Giro, you know, and the and the Tour, they just have to work out a, a sort of weather slot that they can fit it in and, and hope that they can get over the Alps, the Pyrenees, the Dolomites, etc. But do you think RCS, who organises the Giro and ASO, who organises the two other Grand Tours, are actually talking to each other to benefit everybody? I don't think well, so. Well, this is, where, this is where the UCI should play a role. And this is where, this is where the teams need to play a role. Mm-hmm. A collective body, um, you know, there's, there's a few too many sort of... Um, unions if you like amongst the the world tour teams and they're not all involved in the same one but there needs to be a collective voice i mean to digress slightly look at what's happening with the afl here um it's meant to it's the season's meant to start pretty soon and they still can't make a decision but they are talking to the players association so i just 
I just wonder if that's going on in cycling now. Mm-hmm. No, we don't um, know. I, I don't know if it is. Good point about the weather because uh, if Roubaix goes towards the end of the year, we might actually finally see a Roubaix <laughs> under the rain for how long? I don't remember. How remember. cool would that be? Yeah, I know. Uh, you know what? <laughs> you know what wouldn't be bad? Roubaix and then leading into the six-day season and the cyclocross season. Yeah, absolutely. How cool would that be? Proper, yeah. Oh. Not that we wish that. But, uh, <laughs> no, no. Well, but look, we, know, we know Roubaix is postponed, postponed now. Yeah. So I think, I think we're being nice by saying hoping that it'll be on this year. But it's almost like it's almost wrong to think that Roubaix can be happening on the 9th of July. Yeah. That looks weird. Oh, that's... You want, you want a bit of a sky, you want a bit of a weather happening. I ju- well, well, we haven't had it for 15 years, have we? Yeah. But it's been, a dry, is, yeah. it's been a dry Roubaix. 15 years. Okay. Yeah, thereabouts. So it's... Now, all these things that potentially might happen, it will change the shape of the racing for this year, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, and last question on this podcast, if it changes the, the, the shape of the racing this year, do you think it's, it's potentially changing even further? You mentioned the two weeks tour. Do you foresee any sort of things that would adapt more out of this? No, I think... Or is it a year that we, people we just en- want to ride past and then... Yeah, I think it's a year we year. just want to... We want. It's a big hump in the road. It's a big hump, you know, it's not just a speed bump. It's a mini mountain that's yeah. <laughs> that's a gravel road and it's dangerous and we've got to get through it. And I think as much as we speculate on what may or may not happen in the future, I think if we do get through this year, and let's let's just say, for example, not a single race happens from now until the end of the year. Quintana I, Rider of the Year. We Quintana said Rider of the Year. <laughs> you heard Shackman, first. the biggest tour winner <laughs> of the year. Uh, Richie Port, by the way. Tour down under. Yeah, exactly. World tour. I wonder you, who win. Who's, who's leading up? the world tour? I don't know. Shackman or Port? Richie could end up winning the world tour. He needs. He needs to push for one more race yeah. to happen. World tour race. Go full gas and to then, win it, and then done. And then done. <laughs> yep. Um, but I think. I think mostly things will go back to normal. Let's hope. Yes. Thank you, Maka, for joining thank us. Thank you, thank uh, you. And thank you for listening to the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Let us know if you uh, have specific subjects uh, you want us to cover within this uh, this couple of weeks, uh, hopefully only weeks uh, of just, you know, the, 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 the calendar being a bit in turmoil. Uh, thank you, Maka, for joining us. Thank you very much. And uh, this is uh, this was the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or log a ride with our friend at Zwift. Until next time, it's bye for now. Before we go, a quick shout-out to Zwift, the app that turns indoor training into a game. Getting started on Zwift is easy. You just need your bike, a trainer, and your PC, Mac, or Apple device. Zwift offers training plans, interval workouts, and a global community. Get strong and get motivated with every ride. Give people a ride on, and you're sure to get one back, as together you enjoy the massive benefits of social indoor training. Go to Zwift.com today and start your free trial.